I love our studies that we've been going, uh, just everything we can glean from these women in the Bible and how sometimes they even intertwine, right? Because uh, back in March, we studied Leah and Rachel's mother-in-law, Rebecca. And there were some other relatives we studied too. Um, Rahab, we had studied her, and then we studied Ruth. And Rahab is Ruth's mother-in-law through Boaz. And then we did Ruth and Naomi, and Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law through her first husband. So <laughs> there you go. So it's cool that they intertwine. And this week, our story is a story of inner or outer beauty. Leah and Rachel are sisters, and they're married to the same man. Sounds like a recipe for trouble, right? <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we come before you just thanking and praising you for just this time that we can come and gather in your presence, Lord, uh, to glean and to learn uh, from your word, Lord, for women uh, in the Bible, Lord, that you've worked in and through their lives, and we can learn today from them. So, God, I pray that your spirit would fall afresh on us. I pray you would help me decrease, that you might increase, and that your word would just fall on fertile ground. So we just invite you here, Lord, um, to lead and guide us. In Jesus' name, and all God's daughters said, amen. Amen. So um, we're going to be in Genesis 29. Um, I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. Um, but before we get started, um, just to give you a little background, um, Jacob had just left um, his home. And he's um, on his way uh, at the direction of his father and his mother to go find a wife um, from his, um, his mom's brother Laban's daughters. So he had just deceived Isaac into giving him Esau's blessing. And Esau was ready to kill him. So he had to get out of town. So we're going to uh, pick up in Genesis 29, verses 1 through 4. It says, Then Jacob hurried, oh, I'm sorry, put my little slide. Then Jacob hurried on, finally arriving in the land of the east. He saw a well in the distance. Three flocks of sheep and goats lay in an open field beside it, waiting to be watered. But a heavy stone covered the mouth of the well. It was the custom there to wait for all the flocks to arrive before removing the stone and watering the animals. Afterward, the stone would be placed back over the mouth of the well. Jacob went over to the shepherds and asked, Where are you from, my friends? We are from Haran, they answered. So back in these days, there's no GPS or street signs or freeway exits to tell you where to go. So when you go, you had to add the, ask the locals where they're from. So when they answered, he discovered that he had reached his destination. He's in the right place. This is where his mother and his grandfather Abraham are from. So in verses 5 and 6, it says, Do you know a man there named Laban, the grandson of Nahor? He asked. Yes, we do, they replied. Is he doing well, Jacob asked. Yes, he's well they answered. Look, here comes his daughter, Rachel, with the flock now. So he's in the right place, and they know his uncle. So he's two for two, right? He must be feeling pretty good. So in verses 7 through 10, Jacob said, look, it is, it's still broad daylight, too early to round up the animals. Why don't you water the sheep and goats so they can get back out to pasture? We can't water the animals until all the flocks have arrived, they replied. Then the shepherds moved the stone from the mouth of the well, and we water all the sheep and goats. Jacob was still talking with them when Rachel arrived with her father's flock, for she was a shepherd. So her being a shepherd, she was a hard worker, and this must run in her family. Because if you remember when we studied Rebecca, remember that um, Isaac's servant had come to find uh, 
um, Abraham's servant had come to find a wife for Isaac, and Rebecca was at the well, and she watered all the camels of that servant. Remember, and Connie told us it was like a gazillion gallons of water. I forget how much, but they were hard workers. So in verses um, 10 to 12, it says, And because Rachel was his cousin, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and because the sheep and goats belonged to his uncle Laban, Jacob went over to the well and moved the stone from its mouth and watered his uncle's flock. Then Jacob kissed Rachel, and he went and he wept aloud. He explained to Rachel that he was her cousin on her father's side, the son of her aunt, Rebekah. So he kissed her and cried, and he probably just must have been overwhelmed with God's goodness and directing him exactly where he needed to be. So he found the right place, he's there, and then here comes um, one of Laban's daughters to the well. And so, um, plus we find out she's pretty, so that might have had to do with this kiss too. <laughs> so Jacob knew he was to marry one of his uncle's daughters, so this very well could be her. And he let her know that he was Rebecca's son because Rachel knew that her aunt Rebecca had married a wealthy distant relative. In verses 12 through 14, so Rachel quickly ran and told her father Laban, as soon as Laban heard that his nephew Jacob had arrived, he ran out to meet him. He embraced and kissed him and brought him home. When Jacob had told him his story, Laban exclaimed, you really are my own flesh and blood. Jacob stayed with Laban for about a month. So Jacob is, is united with his relatives. And in 15, it says, Laban said to him, you shouldn't work for me without pay, just because we are relatives. Tell me how much your wages should be. So now Jacob has a proposition for Laban. In verses 16 and 17, now Laban had two daughters. The older daughter was named Leah, and the younger one was Rachel. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes, but Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Quite a comparison, huh? So where it says there was no sparkle in uh, Leah's eyes, some versions say they were weak or delicate, and some think maybe she couldn't see well, or that her eyes were just dull. They weren't uh, beautiful like her sisters. And, and then it says about Rachel uh, that uh, she had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. So. This may have, if you think about it, through the years, it may have caused a little sibling rivalry. Don't know, but um, uh, that's quite a contrast between the two sisters that we see. In verses 18 through 20, it says, since Jacob was in love with Rachel, so he's already in love with her, he told her father, I'll work for you for seven years if you'll give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Agreed, Laban replied. I'd rather give her to you than to anyone else. Stay and work with me. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel. But his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. <laughs> that was a love at first sight, probably at the well, right? And he really loved her if seven years seemed as a few days. They say time flies when you're having fun, but obviously when you're in love also, right? <laughs> so in 21, it says, finally the time came for him to marry her. I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now give me my wife so I can sleep with her. So a little side note here is that true love waits. It had been seven years, and, and he worked hard for her, but he hadn't slept with her. So waiting in this area honors God. In Romans 12, it tells us that we're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That is our reasonable service. 
right? Because Jesus paid the price for us. And there's power in purity. When we're pure, the enemy can't uh, throw things in our face. He can't shame you. He can't lie to you. So if there's anyone listening and you're still pure, stay that way. God honors it and he will bless you for it. And if you've fallen in this area, God is able to, cleanse, to, to forgive and to cleanse you, right? Because 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we can always come back and be cleansed. But I love that uh, he waited seven years for her. In verses 22 through 25, it says, So Laban invited everyone in the neighborhood and prepared a wedding feast. But that night, when it was dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob, and he slept with her. Laban had given Leah a servant, Zilpah, to be her maid. But when Jacob woke up in the morning, it was Leah. What have you done to me? Jacob raged at Laban. I worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? Why have you tricked me? I wonder if those words rang in Jacob's mind, right? Isn't that the very thing he did to his brother Esau and his father Isaac? I just think this proves that we definitely reap what we sow. The deceiver has now been deceived. And then the, the strange thing with, um, you know, Jacob not knowing it was Leah, I thought it must have been pretty dark, right? <laughs> How do you not know? But um, back in those days, the, the bride had to wear a veil until she was with her husband. So, okay, maybe give him the benefit of the doubt in that area. So then in uh, verses 26 to 30, it says, It's not our custom here to marry off a younger daughter ahead of the firstborn, Laban replied. But wait until the bridal week is over. Then we'll give you Rachel too, provided you promise to work another seven years for me. He's a little schemer, isn't he? So Jacob agreed to work seven more years. A week after Jacob had married Leah, Laban gave him Rachel too. Laban gave Rachel a servant, Bilhah, to be her maid. So Jacob slept with Rachel too, and he loved her more than Leah. He then stayed and worked for Laban an additional seven years. So here Laban pulled the old switcheroo on them, right? And Jacob felt deceit. Where I think, you know, we may do things to people, but when it happens to us and it hurts, I think that can keep us from doing it to them again. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of, hopefully Jacob, you know, understood that. And then Leah, she must have felt rejected by Jacob's response, right? It's bad enough. She wasn't getting married. Her sister was to get married. Her dad gives her, and then she gets that kind of reaction. And then Rachel, she maybe felt abandoned. She loved him. She wanted to marry him, too, and then her sister is given. In those days, the father had authority over who the daughter married. But Laban, he deceived them all. But in, in Jacob and Laban, these are both two deceivers and two liars, right? And deception and lies, they don't only hurt those who are doing it. Jacob's deception separated his family. He had to leave. He couldn't be with his mom or his brother or his father anymore. He had to leave because of that. And Laban's dece deception affected both of his daughters. It, it affected his family. And I think it's just a reminder that our sin never just hurts us. It hurts our loved ones and those around us. Right? In verse 31, um, it says, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. And I love that God sees, right? 
Leah, Leah was, um, was hurt and, and in pain, and he saw that. Isaiah 54, 5 says, For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name. When your husband does not see or understand what you're going through, God sees, and he can meet the needs of a hurting wife, right? Because he's God. But he also meets the needs of a single, the single woman. So to my single sisters, God is our husband also, and he sees our needs, and he will meet them. In verse 32, so Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, the Lord has noticed my misery, and now my husband will love me. So Reuben's name means that God has seen. So she acknowledges that God's seen, but she's looking for the love of her husband, right? She said, now my husband will love me. In verse 33, she soon became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. She named him Simeon, for she said, the Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. So God hears. Not only does God see, God hears, right? So, um, but she's still feeling unloved. Then in verse 34, then she became pregnant a third time and gave birth to another son. He was named Levi, for she said, surely this time my husband will feel affection for me since I have given him three sons. His name means attached or connected. So she was looking to be connected to Jacob. She wanted, she wanted that connection with him. And then in our final verse in 35, it says, once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son. She named him Judah, for she said, now I will praise the Lord. And then she stopped having children. So his name means praise the Lord. Now she's looking and praising the Lord and realizing that the Lord meets her needs. So it's cool that you can kind of see that in the, in the way that she named her sons. Well, after this, that baby marathon continues with Rachel and Leah and using their maids, producing the 12 sons of Jacob, which are the 12 tribes of Israel. I think this was kind of a dysfunctional family, but I think we all in some way or another come from a dysfunctional family, right? Although Rachel was beautiful on the outside and had the heart of her husband, she still felt empty. She couldn't bear children for years. Leah, although she, there was no outward beauty, God saw her hurt and loneliness and he gave her children. Rachel wanted desperately to have children, and Leah desperately wanted to be loved. Both were longing to be filled and complete, but children or man will not satisfy the longing in our hearts. Only Jesus can, right? Things that we try to satisfy in the world may last for a season, but it fades. But God is the only one that can fill that longing in our hearts. So after reading our story, which is of, which is of more value? Inner or outer beauty? 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God desires inner beauty. In 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4, Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should close yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. I saw that and I thought, gentle and quiet spirit? I'm not so sure I possess that always. <laughs> but those are very precious to God. So I have a question for you. I don't need you to answer out loud. I just want you to think about it. 
how much time do you spend daily on your outer beauty, which is your hair, your makeup, your clothes, okay? You can even think back to this morning if you want. And how much do you spend on your inner beauty? That's your time with the Lord, right, in word or prayer. When I had thought about this uh, um, some years back, I thought, oh, I was way out of balance. My outer was getting way more attention than my inner. And it, I was really convicted by that. And now they're even keel. I have half and half. So if I can't get ready in that time I'm going to spend with the Lord, then oh well. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a good check for you to see, you know, how much do I spend on my outer versus the inner. So not to totally disregard what we look like on the outside, ladies, okay? It's not like we don't care at all. I remember Pastor Chuck used to say, if the barn needs painting, then paint it, right? <laughs> and my mom, who is my mom, those of you who know her, she is a beautiful woman inside and out. But she has this saying that cracks me up. Like, we'll be getting ready to go somewhere, so she'll get dressed and she'll put on her makeup. And she says, well, as my grandpa always used to say, you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. I'm like, what, mom? So she's beautiful. But you know what? God can make beauty from ashes, right? So um, you, we think about it. And how can we become inwardly beautiful? We need to become more like Christ, right? So we are going to go through some inner beauty tips. Ah, right? Don't you wish you were like her? But um, So first we're going to start with wash and cleanse, Right? This is spending time in prayer and the word. Make an appointment with Jesus daily, ladies. Not monthly, not weekly, daily. And, and keep it. Right? So don't, don't delay it. Don't postpone it. Make an appointment with Jesus and keep it. And in that time, pray, confess, right? Read the word and listen to what he has to say to you. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So when we're in the word, he's renewing our minds, right? He's giving us right thinking. Because when we're caught up in our own mind or in the world, our thinking can get amiss, right? But when we're in the word, he renews our mind and, and he gives us right thinking. Also, Psalm 51, 1 and 2, and verse 10 say, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's like a great daily prayer, right? Because we need that every day to be washed and cleansed. But, you know, you could just even grab scriptures that mean something to you and pray those into your life daily. Because as you seek him daily, he's going to uh, fill you and he's going to prepare you for what's to come. So pray, read the word, listen, and journal. If you don't journal, it's a great thing to do when you're um, doing your uh, devotions, when you're doing your daily reading in the Bible. Journal a scripture that speaks to you or, you know, what God spoke to your heart and, and write it down. If you're praying over something, a situation in your life, a person, journal, you know, that you're praying. And then when God answers, you can look back and see how God is faithful and how God moves. So um, if you don't journal, journaling is a pretty cool thing to do. So when we're washed and cleansed, we're going to be ready for our day, right? After we wash and cleanse, then we need our foundation, right? 
So being com be confident in Christ. Leah and Rachel were competing with each other. Leah wanted Jacob's love, and Rachel had Jacob's love, but she wanted children. Know who you are in Christ, then you can be content with where he has you. If you don't know where you are in Christ, you're going to be looking for everything else to, to secure you, right? 1 John 3.1 says, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, when we confess our sin and we ask him to be Lord and Savior of our life, we are a child of God. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, right? So um, you are his child. And as, as his child, he gives us promises. And one of those is 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. You have power, love, and a sound mind. This is a promise from God. God does not lie, right? So you need to receive this because it's God's word. And there's no fear. In Joshua 1.9, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So the Lord is saying, be strong and courageous, right? Don't be afraid. Don't get discouraged. Don't turn that doorknob of discouragement, ladies, because when you open that door, it is very hard to close it back up, right? So you look to the Lord, right? And God is with you wherever you go. If you think you're somewhere and like, oh, God doesn't know, God knows because God will never leave you nor forsake you, right? And if that's not enough, this should give you confidence. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And as Susie tells us over and over, right, all means? Thank you, yes. So um, whatever you're facing, God is going to fill you and help you, and, and he'll get you through because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Now, you can't do all things in your own strength, but you can do them through Christ who strengthens you. So with this foundation, you should be ready to face your day, right? So after we wash and cleanse and we get our foundation, then we're going to do our clothing, and we're going to be Christ-like. The more you know him, the more you become like him. So as we're doing these, uh, you know, being daily in the word, coming to Bible study like you are, you get to know him more and more. And there's just some characteristics that we can glean, you know, to be more like the Lord. And the first one is be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. Okay? Romans 12, 18 says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Every family needs a peacemaker, right? Because every family has a troublemaker, <laughs> right? So we need those peacemakers. It says do all that you can. You may not always be able to keep the peace, but as much as you can. And this goes also not only in our family, but with friendships, with coworkers, right? You ladies have the spirit of God residing in you. And so when others... Um, they, they, people hold grudges, you know, and they don't talk to each other. It's not for days, it's for years, and that is heartbreaking. You have the Spirit of God. You, you ladies can be these, um, these peacemakers. You know, there's the verse that says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. No one is promised tomorrow, so we need to make things right. We need to make things right with our loved ones. I was thinking about this, and Jesus was innocent and died for our sins, Right? He didn't do one thing, but he died for our sins. And I thought, can I die to myself to make things right in my family if Jesus did that for me? 
So, um, you know, let's be peacemakers. We, don't, we had a long time to be troublemakers, now we could be peacemakers. Another characteristic is no partiality or favoritism. Romans 2.11, in, uh, in the New King James, it says, for there is no partiality with God. And in the New Living, it says God does not show favoritism. Favoritism causes divisions, right? It causes sibling rivalry. Jacob loved Rachel more, and it caused this whole birthing, birthing battle, right? Even to the point of using their mates, like it went beyond that. John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. If we love like Jesus, it will be good, right? Our, our love runs out, but um, his love doesn't. So we need to love others like Jesus loves us. Another thing, another characteristic is we need to speak truth in love. All truth can crush someone. All love can cripple someone. We need truth in love. Ephesians uh, 4.15 says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of, the, of his body, the church. So in speaking truth in love, we're growing to be more like Christ, and that's what we're after, right? We want to look like Jesus. Colossians 4.6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Be gracious with your words, ladies. We have um, the ability to build up or tear down with our tongue, with our words. So let's choose to be those who build up. Amen? And then our final, um, our final piece of our inner uh, beauty tips is our um, accessories which is going to be the fruit of the spirit. And accessories, they complement what we're wearing, right? And this is what people see. So when we're washed and cleansed, when we're confident in Christ, and we're being Christ-like, we're going to be filled with the spirit, and we'll be the fragrance of Christ to others. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Okay, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and just telling us this is what's produced. Love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So all of these, that's a lot, right? So as I read through this fruit, I'm going to go through it one by one. I want you to ponder and think, Lord, which of these do I need to bear more of in my life, right? So first is love, right? It's that agape love, God's love, the unconditional and unselfish love. 1 Peter 4.8 says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sin. We need more love in this world, don't we, ladies? The next one is joy. This is inner lasting joy. It's not happiness, which is fleeting. And joy is contagious. I've noticed that. I love it, that joy is contagious. Nehemiah 8.10 says, do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So when you're, you feel you're lacking joy, remember you're saved. Remember that Jesus died for you. Remember you're going to spend eternity with Jesus, with the Lord, right? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Next is peace. Calm, secure, not anxious or worrisome. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. 
This could be part of your morning routine. Remember, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We need our minds and our hearts guarded, right, with his peace. So we can be calm and secure. We don't need to be running around like a chicken with their head cut off, right? Patience. This is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. This is a hard one, I think. James 1, 3, and 4 says, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So patience is produced through testing. So when we say, oh, I need more patience. Lord, give me patience. Be ready because you're going to be tested. <laughs> but God is good because he's always faithful. Um, Psalm 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Patience, there's, you got to wait, right? And I have a problem with this one I found on the freeway. Even last night, after I was doing the study, I go home and I'm like, why do I lose my patience with drivers on the free? I'm like, Lord, please help me. I don't have to be in a rush to go anywhere, but people just drive me crazy when they get in front of me and they drive real slow. So anyway, <laughs> pray for me in that area. I need more patience. That's probably why it keeps happening because I'm not growing. But um, the next one is kindness. This is friend being friendly, generous, or considerate. Romans 12.10 said, be kindly affectionate, to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Just being kind, right? That, that doesn't happen a lot. Smile, say hello. Um, I went on a hike a couple of weeks ago, and we're on this trail, and it's a narrow trail, so some are coming down and some are going up. And, you know, people have their mask on, so all you see is eyes, but, like, people are, like, so stoic when they come by you, you know? But if you say, hi, how are you? You know, I would say hi, and they'll say, oh, good morning. You know, they do respond. And otherwise, it's just like, you know, your zombies passing each other. But a little hello, you know, even a smile through a mask, you know, it comes through um, saying good morning. Just little things like that can wake people up, snap them out of what, what you know, just that, that quietness and not, not um, talking to others. So smile and say hello. Be kind and friendly. Goodness. This is being morally good or virtuous, concerned with principles of right and wrong. Psalm 23, 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I love that. And Psalm 31, 19, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. So God stores up goodness for us. And let's spread God's goodness to others. Just be good. Right? The opposite of good is bad or evil. So just be good. Faithfulness. This is remaining loyal and steadfast, being true to one's word or commitment. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Matthew 25, um, 23 says, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. We want to be a faithful servant, right? We want to hear those words. So be faithful to the Lord and be faithful to others. Next is gentleness, being tender or mild-mannered, softness of action. This is not hard or harsh. Philippians 4, 5 says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. So being gentle with one another, don't be harsh with people or hard, just be gentle. Self-control, this is the ability to control oneself 
actions or feelings, especially in a difficult situation. <laughs> through the power of the Holy Spirit, we could do this, ladies. Not on our own, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. So going through all of these and looking at those, you know, in your life and in, in, in your heart, you know, what, what do you need more of? Because we have, you're a child of God, you have the Spirit of God living in you, you are able to bear fruit if you surrender to the Lord and allow him to work in and through your life. So at those times when you want to uh, react to someone, um, bite your tongue and pray, Lord, help me to be kind, help me to be gentle, you know, help me to share love, all, all these things. So um, whichever one you think you're lacking in, and it may not be one, it may be two, three, four, five, whatever. <laughs> hey, and probably depending on the day, right? But um, just ask the Lord, Lord, help me in these areas. And God is faithful to hear and answer. And if we bear this fruit, the Spirit is going um, is, is gonna to be working in and through us, and we're going to look beautiful to others. When people are kind, when they're good, when they have joy, right, that's, that looks beautiful. So when we're bearing fruit of the Spirit, that inner beauty is going to shine forth out of us. And there truly is something beautiful about a woman who has spent time with Jesus. So when you come out of your devotions, when you leave on Tuesday morning, I bet you look better than when you came in because you have been sitting in the presence of God. And the retreats, remember those? When you go away for a couple of days and come back? It makes me think about, remember Moses used to go up to the mount and then he had to cover his face because of the glow? But when we're sitting with the Lord, we reflect him, you know, and you have a glow about you. So, and when we fall deeper in love with him, it just shows. So, you know, go through your... Uh, your daily beauty tips, your inner beauty tips, go through the process, and, and ladies, that makes us more beautiful. So wrapping up in our story, Rachel was beautiful and loved, right? Jacob loved her very much, but she had much heartache, pain, and turmoil. And the thing that she longed for most, giving birth, is what she died from. She died from giving birth to her second son, and she was buried alone in Bethlehem. Leah, neglected by her husband and despised by her sister, the tribe of Judah came from her. This is the lineage of our Messiah, of the Messiah. She learned to look to the Lord and to praise him in the midst of what she went through. And do you know that she was buried with Jacob in Hebron in the family tomb? Leah was buried with her husband Jacob, Abraham and Sarah, and Isaac and Rebekah. So outward beauty fades. It's temporary. Proverbs 31.30 says, Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. First Peter says, People are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass wither and the flower fades. You know, people try to hold on to their outer looks, you know, through surgeries or all this stuff, and it's, it's, it doesn't last. That may prolong a little, but it doesn't last. Versus inner beauty, which grows, and it's eternal. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So your inner self is being renewed. You are beautiful to the Lord, ladies. He created you just the way you are. And God doesn't make mistakes. We may think, oh, God, but, you know, this and that. No, God does not make mistakes. He made you just the way you are, and he loves you just the way you are. You don't have to do anything um, better. You don't have to take anything out. God loves you just the way you are. 
this is a truth, this is a fact. So you continue with your daily inner beauty tips and others are gonna see that beauty too, right? And I believe he wants you to know that you are loved, that you are precious, and that you are beautiful. So believe that, ladies, each and every one of you, and receive that. I believe the Lord gave that because he wants you to hear that. You are loved, you are precious, and you are beautiful. Don't let anyone tell you different, okay? Let's pray. Father, we come before you just thanking and praising you for your goodness, Lord, and your love for us. You do love us. You love us just the way you are, just the way we are. And, Lord, um, something we can work on is making... Uh, ourselves more beautiful inwardly, Lord. So Jesus, as we fall deeper in love with you day by day, as we grow to know you more and learn more of you, Lord, um, we can become more beautiful. And I pray that we would shine brightly for you, Jesus, that others would be drawn to us the way we are drawn to you, and that we can share that I have joy, I have peace um, because of Jesus because of what Jesus can do in a life and that we would share with others and that they would come to know you and they would come to accept you and receive you as their Lord and Savior. God, um, we want to be um, beautiful daughters shining for you. So help us to do that, Lord. And I thank you for just bringing us here today because we had a spa treatment. <laughs> so thank you, Lord. And I pray as we leave this place, we would be able to share the love of Jesus. We would be able to bear the fruit, God, and others would see you in us. So thank you for meeting us here, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's daughters said, amen. amen. God bless you.